Good morning, welcome. Today's Torah portion, portion of Tzav, Monday's portion, Shani. Chapter 6, verse 12. Having learned about the rules of the burnt offering and the meal offering, we now segue over into a very interesting offering by way of introduction. When a new Kohen is inducted as a Kohen, his first day of work, there is a special offering he brings. The high priest, the Kohen Godel, brings this special offering every day. By Daber Hashem El Moshe Leimor. And God spoke to Moshe saying, Zeh, this is Korban, the offering Aharon of Aharon Uvonov and his sons. So there's a special offering for Aaron and his sons, the Kohanim. Asher Yakrivu Hashem, which they shall offer up to Hashem. When? Biyom Himoshach also. Speaking to a regular Kohen on the day that he is anointed. On opening day of his career. What is this offering? Asidis ho'efa, a tenth part of the measure of an efa, solas, a fine flour, mincha tomid, for a perpetual meal offering. Machatzisa baboker, half in the morning, or machatzisa bo'erev, and half in the evening. Rashi, ze korban aranuvonov, af ha'hedyetis makrivin asidis ho'efa, Rashi points out that even the regular Kohen, who's not a high priest, brings this tenth part of an Apha gift on the day that they are inducted into the priesthood. Every Kohen brings this offering on his first day of work. Avobot Kohen Godo, the Kohen Godo, the high priest, he brings it every day. Shenemar, as it says, mincha tomid. The verbiage in 13 is a continual offering. The anointed Kohen who takes the place of the high priest, chak elam, forever. So that forever and ever, this was the daily offering of every Kohen Godel. It was the one-time offering of a regular Kohen. What is this offering? 14. Al-Machvaz Bashemen Teyose, on a griddle, like a grill, it should be made with oil. Murbeches to Vienna, soaked through and through, he shall bring it. Tufine, baked, or many times baked, baked again and again. Minchas, pitim, a meal offering in broken pieces. Takri, you shall offer. And all of that is reach nichoach, a sweet aroma la Hashem to Hashem. And as Rashi mentioned earlier, what's the sweet aroma? Hashem commands and we fulfill. We give nachas to Hashem by doing what He wants us to do. So this is the prescription, 14. Murbeches, chaluta, bereischen kol It's scalded in boiling water. Tufine afuya afias harbe baked again and again. Achar chalitos, after scolding it, 
Eifa batanari bakes it in an oven, v'chezer mitagna b'machvas, and then he fries it on a griddle. Uh, it's, it feels like it has a lot of cholesterol, even though it's, <laughs> even though it's, uh, it's got healthy ingredients. It's got olive oil. Minchas pitim melamed shetuna psisa. It requires it to be broken into pieces. So it's like a matzah bry broken up into various chunks. Fifteen, v'ha kohen ha-moshiach tachtov, the kohen who is anointed in his stead, mibonov of his sons, referring to the kohen godel, yasa osa shall offer it as well. Chok olam, good morning, an everlasting eternal statute, l'ashem to Hashem, kolil toktor, Holy made to smoke on the altar. They put it on the altar, and the whole thing is consumed on the altar. Rashi 15, HaMashiach Tachtav Mibonov, HaMashiach Mibonov Tachtav. It is as if it would say, he who is anointed of the sons of the Kohen Gadol in his place, the guy who takes the place of the high priest. Kolil, in, in fact, in Halacha, we find that if the high priest has a son who is fit to become high priest, he gets priority. If he doesn't, then we have to move outside the family. This offering, unlike some of the previous offerings we learned about, where the Kohen takes a fistful, causes it to smoke on the altar, and the rest is eaten by the Kohen, here this doesn't work that way. The whole thing is smoked on the altar. And as we learned earlier, the same thing applies when a Kohen brings a meal offering. And this is an interesting difference in halacha. When an Israelite brings a meal offering, the Kohen gets to eat the balance after the fistful is smoked on the altar. But when any Kohen brings an offering, the whole thing is smoked on the altar. We actually began to study about that yesterday and a few days ago. As he points out clearly in 16, the whole minchas kohen, every meal offering of every kohen, kolil tiyeh, shall be holy, made to smoke on the altar, lo teyachel, it shall not be eaten, unlike the meal offering of an Israelite, where a fistful is smoked on the altar and the balance is eaten by the Kohen. It all goes to the altar, which is represented by the word Gavoa, which means on high. Now we come to the next portion, and let me give a little bit of an introduction to this portion. We learned earlier that there are various levels of holy objects. There is what we call kodshim kalim, the lesser level of sanctity. And kodshim kalim would include those offerings where the Kohen takes his portion home to his wife and children and shares it with them as long as he's in Jerusalem. Where the donor owner takes his portion home to his hotel and shares it with his friends and family. So it's holy. It has to be eaten only in a state of sanctity, but it could be taken outside the temple courtyard. A higher level of sanctity would be called kodshe kodoshim, 
the holy of holies. Even that part which may be eaten by the Kohen can only be eaten by a working Kohen in the tabernacle, holy temple area. He can't take it out. That's the law. Furthermore, it must be said that every sacrifice has an expiration date. And we actually say it in the pre-Hodu prayer, we, ha we enumerate the expiration dates for every sacrifice. It's either Yom Valayla, day, one day or one night, two days in one night, but the fact of the matter is when you bring an offering, you have to eat it by a certain time. If you don't, you have to get rid of it. That's called nosar. That's fine. The problem is, we know that, for example, in kosher law today, what if you want to kosher something that becomes unkosher? For example, you have a piece of silverware, and it's used inadvertently for non-kosher food. What do you do with the piece of silverware? You kosher it. You make sure it's clean. You put it in scalding, boiling water, and you follow the rules, and it becomes kosher. What do you do with a pot, a stainless steel pot? You kosher it. If it has a lip, you take a little blowtorch, and then you take the pot and you put it in boiling water. As long as it's clean, you can kosher it. That is if the, if the material is not porous. But if the material is porous, that's a problem. Therefore, any type of porous material can never be koshered. Why? Because it absorbs and it absorbs and it absorbs and slowly it gives out and it gives out and it gives out forever. So that's why material, pots and pans and vessels and dishes that are made out of porous material cannot be koshered. We all know that. That's the law. Now you get into a complexity because when you have a sacrifice that's prepared in a porous vessel, the sacrifice stuff remains in the vessel forever. So now you're violating the law of leaving the sacrifice over past the expiration date, which is a serious transgression. What do you do? If it's a porous vessel, you got a problem because you can't remove it. That's what we're about to learn about. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to Aaron and to his son saying, This is the rule of the sin offering. The sin offering is one of those really sacred offerings. In the same locale where the burnt offering is slaughtered, the sin offering is slaughtered. Lefnei Hashem before Hashem. And this is the higher level of holy. Kodesh, Kodoshim, He, it's holy of holy. Which means you can never take it out of the holy temple. It can only be eaten by the male member of the Kohanim, at least that part that can be eaten. 19, who may eat of this sin offering? Only the Kohen who works at it, the one who offers it. And Rashi will explain, it doesn't necessarily mean the one who offers it, 
but the one who was fit to offer it. Bimokim Kodesh Teyochel, it must only be eaten, may only be eaten in a holy place, Bachatzar Oyomayr, in the courtyard of the tent of meeting, or in the Besamigdash, in the Besamigdash area. You can't take it out of that area. Why? It's holy of holies. 19, the one who does the service, the one who makes it a sin offering. Rashi points out something very important from the oral law in the tractate of Zvochim, page 99, that it's not only the Kohen who offers it that gets to eat of it, but anyone who is fit to offer it. This would exclude a Kohen who was impure, at the moment of the sprinkling of the blood, he can't take part and get a piece of the meat. It's impossible to say that the Torah prohibits any Kohen who did not work and sprinkle the blood of this sacrifice from eating this sacrifice because it's just not so. It says lower, a little, a little later, it says, Who may eat it? Any male coin who's fit to work. Therefore, this means anyone who could have sprinkled the blood. Now, what is the problem? The problem is that this is Holy of Holies. And Holy of Holies, we learned yesterday and earlier, is, I don't mean this in a negative sense, but in a positive sense, it's infectious and contagious. If it touches something else, that something else becomes holy of holies, at least for the stringent interpretation. So just as you can't take the sin offering out of the holy temple, you can't take something touched by the sin offering if it absorbed outside the holy temple. And we learned this yesterday, I believe. So therefore, 20, anything which touches the flesh of the sin offering, yigdosh, will take on the sanctity of the sin offering. So now you can't eat this, for example. If there's a peace offering, the peace offering can be taken home by the Kohanim for dinner. The sin offering, the hot piece of flesh of the sin offering, touches a hot piece of flesh of the peace offering. The peace offering now can also not be taken home because it, be, it takes on the holiness of the sin offering. And when the blood of it is sprinkled on any garment, it has to be washed in a holy place because you can't even take it out of the holy place. 20 Any edible food which will touch it and absorb from it like hot meat from hot meat. To become like it. If it's unfit, it's unfit. If it's kosher, can be eaten according to the most stringent application, not the most lenient application, but the most stringent application. What if a little blood of the sin offering was sprinkled on a garment? The problem is that you can't take that garment now out of the holy temple because it has sin offering blood. So that spot may only be washed in the courtyard. So you either have to wash the garment or you have to cut out that piece of the garment. You can't take it out. 
Asher yize, yeinize, should be sprinkled, k'mevali yitelos, minulam not to extend it. Now, furthermore, anything that absorbs sin offering takes on the stringency of sin offering. Uklicheres, now a porous vessel, an earthenware vessel, a clay vessel, a pottery vessel, asher tuvushalbei, where this sin offering was cooked in, this clay vessel, this porous vessel, earthenware, what happens to it? Forever and ever and ever, it has sin offering within it. And then the expiration time comes, and we have a problem. Houston, we got a problem. There's only one solution. Yishover, you must break the vessel. Because once you break the vessel, it loses the name vessel, and... We have solved the problem. But if it's not earthenware, but if it's cooked in a brass pot, brass is not porous. Brass is a metal where food goes in, food goes out. It can be scoured and rinsed in water, in boiling water, and that's fine. Rashi 21 because anything swallowed by this earthenware vessel takes on the technical limitation of quote-unquote leftover sin offering past the expiration date, and this is not unique to a sin offering. The same applies for any holy item. The item, the holy sacrifice is absorbed and it takes on the stringency of the sacrifice, and you have to be careful. This comes from the expression morak, which means cleansing ointments, escarment in old trench, to discharge the absorbed contents. However, an earthenware vessel, once an earthenware vessel absorbs something, it never completely leaves and it comes out little by little. Therefore, the next object you're going to cook in this earthenware vessel will take on of the previous content of the earthenware vessel. This is the verse he quoted earlier. Any male Kohen may eat it. It's holy of holies. 23. And any sin offering from whose blood is brought to the tent of meeting. To make atonement, lo teochel shall not be eaten, boesh. Tisod of it shall burn with fire. What are we talking about here, Rashi? The cholchatas, shim hichnis midam chatas hachitzeina, lifnim psula. By and large, a sin offering's blood is sprinkled where? On the outer courtyard altar. There are few exceptions where there are special sin offerings where you sprinkle the blood on the inner altar. We learned just a few exceptions. What if the Kohen said he's going to be very religious, he's going to sprinkle this regular sin offering in the inner altar? He makes the whole thing unfit. It's got to be burned. To include any other offerings, which means you can't on your own go above and beyond the call of duty. That was the problem, as we will learn in next week's portion with Nodov and Avio, Aaron's two sons. They went and did something they weren't authorized to, they went above and beyond the call of duty and they died. You can't do that. You have to follow the rules. The rules are godly and meticulous.
chapter 7. That sin offering, this is the law of the guilt offering. We learned the details of where and how and why a guilt offering comes. At the end of Vayikra, Kedesh Kadoshim, who it's also holy of holies. Kedesh Kadoshim, who, who korev, vein tumorose kreva. It is offered, its substitute is not offered. You can't substitute a guilt offering once it's designated. Two, bimkeim asher yishchatu esoel, in the same place where they offer the burnt offering, yishchatu esoel, they should offer, they should slaughter the guilt offering, vesdome in its blood, yizreik, shall be dashed, alam isbeach saviv, round about the altar. This uh, Rashi has parenthesis around it, so we'll skip it. Skip it. Three, ves kolchel beyakri bimenu, and all of its fat shall be brought close. The fat that covers the inwards. These details were covered earlier by other sacrifices, but never with the guilt offering. Therefore, he has to spec this out here as well. But the, the same details applying to a sin offering, the Parshas Vayikra were already covered in last week's portion. The guilt offering can either be brought, either of a ram or lamb, who both have a fatty tail, and therefore the fatty tail we learned last week must be offered as well. Five, I'm sorry, four, and the two kidneys, and the fat which is upon them, which is by the loins, and the lobe by the liver, by the kidneys, he shall remove it. And what happens to all of those? The Kohen causes them to smoke on the altar. Isha, a fire offering, this is a guilt offering, and we learned all about these details earlier in last week's portion. Rashi, Oshamhu, it remains a guilt offering until it loses its name. Lima, this teaches us. Al Osham, regarding a guilt offering, if the owner died, or the owner received atonement in another way, even though the money should be exchanged for offerings which were brought in slow season. We learned earlier that the summer season was slow. They had to keep the Beis Hamikdash going, so they had communal offerings to keep the Kohanim busy. If they slaughtered it without intent, it's not a, a burnt offering before it has been condemned to go out to pasture. And this does not come to teach us regarding the guilt offering that it becomes unfit if it's offered without the right intent. After the innards are burned, and the guilt offering itself, if it's a murim, were not burned, nevertheless, it's acceptable to wrap this up. Every law of every sacrifice, good morning, has various details as to when it becomes unfit and when it can still be brought if something unusual occurred to it. Six, every male Kohen may eat it. However, like the sin offering, the guilt offering may only be eaten in a holy place, meaning in the courtyard. It is holy of holies. This statement of, again, it is holy of holies, is interpreted in Tadus Kainim. Seven, 
Kachatos ko'osham, like the sin offering, is the guilt offering. Terachas lohem, they all have one law. Hakein asher yechaper be, the Kohen who makes atonement, lo'yeh, it shall belong to him. Terachas lohem bedobrozeh, in this thing, regarding this law, hakein asher yechaper be, again Rashi points out the same thing you did earlier, haro'u'i lechapora, the one who is fit to make atonement. Chedek ba takes a portion. Prat, this excludes litvuyem, to a coin who became impure. And then he immerses in a mikvah, which makes him pure, but he has to wait until the sun set. And this offering was brought before the sun sets. So at that moment that the offering was brought and the blood was sprinkled, he was not fit to serve. Omachusar kipurim, one who lacks atonement. V'einen and a mourner, Shein Chelkin Ba'edis, cannot even divide the skins. One of the benefits that the Kohen gets are the skins of the animals. Only those who are fit to serve at the moment of sprinkling can divide within the division of the, can share within the division of the skins. Eight. What about the Kohen who offers the burnt offering of any man? The burnt offering is all burnt on the altar, but there is a benefit. The skin of that offering which he offered, la Kohen lo This is one of the benefits the Kohen gets to take it home. Nine. And another law, any meal offering that's oven baked, anything that's made in the stewing pan. We learned last week that there was like a deep fry where they offered the meal off where they prepared the meal offerings. There was also like a griddle or a grill. The Kohen gets that as well, because we learned earlier what happens. A fistful is taken and smoked on the altar, but the Kohen gets to eat the rest. I would think he himself eats all of that. He serves it with all, he shares it with all of the Kohanim. And I would think all of them. How does this work? So here Rashi begins to deal with a very important law. And that is that during the very beginning, you had five Kohanim. After opening day, you had three Kohanim. Because Nodav and Aviyu died. Three Kohanim, they did okay. But then as time went on, you developed 30 koanim and 300 koanim and 3,000 koanim. And the place was flooded with koanim. So you couldn't have the koanim working every day in the Beis Hamikdash. Too many cooks spoiled the broth. So what they did during the time of Samuel, Shmuel Anovi, during the time of King David, they divided the koanim's families into an orderly system of division. And they called them base of father's houses. They took certain families and they took, this is the head of this family, the head of this family, and they created 24 families. And these 24 families served approximately two weeks of the year. So you had the Chavdalid Mishmores Kahuna, the 24 shifts. So every day or every week or every two weeks, there was a particular shift that was working. They get to share in the skin. The shift that's on duty, that's what Rashi says. The base of Shalyim, the Kohanim who are 
the father's house of that day, meaning the shift of that day, Shemakrivim who offer it. Now, uh, 10, closing verse, and any meal offering which is mixed with oil, or any dry meal offering. We learned earlier that there is a certain meal offering of sin offering which is brought without oil. That's called a dry meal offering. All the sons of Aaron shall share it. As we say back in New Jersey, equal pasqual. In Yiddish, that's even Stephen. Ten belulav Hashem and zoy minchas nedava. This is the free will offering, which had the various style offerings mixed with oil. Vacharev azu minchas chayta. That's the sinner's meal offering. O minchas knois, or the meal offering of jealousy, which we have not yet learned about. Sheim ba'am shemen, which does not have oil. End of today's chumash portion.